Hey, good morning, Whitewater. How are you feeling today? You feeling good? Can we give it up for our worship team? Praise God for our worship team for inviting us into an atmosphere of worship in God and the Holy Spirit. I'm just so thankful for them. Um, my name is Alan, uh, if you don't know, and I have the privilege and honor of being one of your pastors here at Whitewater. Um, if you're new here in the building or online, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, like Laura said, you know, some of us adults are just like, uh, our energy is like this uh, because we're trying to keep up with some of them kids, but, but, but we are here uh, and we're excited to worship God together. So, uh, so I'm going to try to keep it, um, I'm, I'm going to set some expectations. Um, if I talk slow, you know why. Cool? All right. Uh, like Laura said, uh, because of the big chill, you know, we've had, man, we've had so many incredible experiences. Um, like she said, hype worship happening right here in front. Um, some amazing teachers presenting the word of God. Um, there's this battle between the two mascots. It's the Yeti and the, and the, and the Bigfoot. If you haven't seen those videos, it's been, it's been really epic. Yeah, there's the yell, Yeti and Big, yeah, it's really funny. Um, random dancing, uh, hilarious games. My favorite part is that kids are just experiencing the love of Jesus, uh, which is pretty cool. So we truly have been big chillin'. And look, this incredible gathering is just one of many that we get to take part of as believers joined in unity by our commitment to Jesus. For example, you know, we've got huge celebrations like Easter, where we celebrate how Jesus gave his life for us and then was resurrected. Or Christmas, where we celebrate how God gave us his son in the form of a human baby. There are ones we sometimes forget, like, you know, Sunday services, where, where we get to praise God together for all the grace and mercy he's given us throughout the week. And the ones we consider small, like, you know, Bible studies or random hangouts or dinner with friends at home, where we talk about Jesus and the teachings he gave us and how to live and love and be community in this world. Now, I'm a, I want to check our listening skills real quick. In all the things I just listed... What was the common theme as to why we're able to gather together? Yes, Jesus, and what did he do? He gave, right? God gave. And not just that, God gave first. There's this, fam this famous Bible verse that in this, this, this dude right here, um, this dude he made famous unintentionally. He helped spread the, 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 this verse through our culture, uh, and it's John 3.16. Y'all know this? For this is how God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Communal celebrations, chilling with other Christians, giving of our time, talents, and treasures, and church gatherings like the one we're in right now, they're all a natural reaction to God's first action, which is, he gave. I want us to look at this fire block of scripture that illustrates this so well. So go ahead and grab your Bibles or have your Bible app ready because we're, we're about to turn to book, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So if you're ready, say, I'm good. You're good. If you're not ready, say, hold up. Oh, I heard somebody. All right, we're going to keep going though. All right, so starting at verse 42, it says, you'll be fine. It's up on the screen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and in sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, 
and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So I want to chat with you all today on the subject. The reason why we all get to do this is because God gave first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this, uh, this day. Um, thank you for the last four days of the big chill. Uh, God, thank you for everyone here. God, I, I just praise you and I worship you. And God, use me uh, to be your vessel to deliver this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we dig deep into the passage, just for context, I want to rewind and summarize what happened before, before verse 42. So check this out. This is how God gave first. After Jesus ascended back to heaven on a cloud elevator, he gave his disciples the power of the Holy Spirit. One of those disciples, some of y'all know him, his name is Peter, was able to preach about Jesus to a giant crowd of about 3,000 people, all of which understood and spoke different native languages. But because of the Holy Spirit, they were all able to understand everything Peter was saying. And all the wives in the room said, where can I get one of these for my husband? You pray about it. So in Acts 2, 37... The result was this. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Somebody say, what should we do? This is what Peter said. He said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we jump down to verse 41, we see that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Wow. Okay, I'm done. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. Only if... <laughs> but for real, yeah. But for real, it, I want us to see this. After hearing about Jesus, they asked, what should we do? It says that Peter preached for a long time that day, so, so no doubt they heard the same lessons that Jesus taught in the same way we hear them now, which is the basics, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So God gave the world his son. His son gave the world his spirit. His spirit gave the apostles his power to change the world. And so we land here at verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. What we're seeing is the first iteration of what we believers do today when it comes to what we call a church service or a church gathering. You'll see in a few minutes, it ain't perfect, but it shows us a good outline of why we do the things that we do today. We see here they devoted themselves to four things, okay? Number one, teaching. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Specifically, the apostles' teaching. Oh, well, why the apostles and not Jesus? Well, for those 3,000 that just got baptized, they were just getting to know Jesus. And the best people to show them his teachings were the people who spent the most time with him before he left. Who were they? The apostles. They started teaching the people about how to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven because that's what Jesus taught and trained them to do. In Luke 6.40, Jesus says this, Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like their teacher. Man, 
sometimes I feel like Star Wars ripped off the Bible because I really think that Yoda would say something like this. Where are all my nerdy Christians at? Because the Jedi, yes, woo, the Jedi got this concept correct. They taught the ways of the Force over and over and over again until the whole galaxy knew about it. We need to be taught the gospel so that we could teach it to others. Some of us veteran Jesus followers, we need to be reminded of the gospel so we can remind other fully experienced brothers and sisters. In general, we need to be fully trained so that we can fully train others. That's how we get a disciple-making movement that transforms our culture into looking more like heaven little bits at a time. And yo, I don't know about you, but I want that. Man, our world, our world needs the teachings of Jesus. Do y'all agree with that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Second thing they were devoted to was fellowship. This word fellowship actually comes from the Greek word koinonia. Somebody say koinonia. Which means the intimate sharing of oneself to another. The intimate, intimate sharing of oneself to another. So when it comes to creating lasting, loyal relationships, relationships with other people, you have to be willing to share yourself with people. When it comes to a church community, we need to be willing to share and to accept. We need to be open and intentional. And we need to meet people where they're at. Man, I've heard too many folks in this church body say that they're lonely. Yes, I know. It's, it's hard. And it breaks my heart, too. Because we should be able to share our lives with some people from the same community. In Genesis 2, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. Fellowship is a part of our DNA. Who's that small group of people that you can intimately share your life with? I'm talking about the raw, ugly stuff in life, like, like the loss of loved ones, financial struggles, or walking through addictions. Because if we can share stuff like that, that means we can share our joys with each other too, like, like, like babies being born, somebody getting out of debt, or, or better yet, somebody surviving a cancer diagnosis. Can I get an Amen. The depth of your relationships with the people in your community are strengthened by the quality of your intention. Because honest relationship, honest fellowship right now is possible because Jesus intentionally shared himself to humankind by literally living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 20 says, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I'm in you. Believers can share their lives with other believers because we all share the same Holy Spirit that bonds us as brothers and sisters in Christ under our Heavenly Father. But please hear me. I also know that sharing your life with people is hard because there's a chance that they won't share back or they misuse your trust. And trust me, trust issues are a real thing because people aren't perfect. But I want you to know that when you ask God for loving, fruitful relationships, even for a season, guess what he's going to do? He's going to provide. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says this. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask of him? Asking God for healthy, joyful, loving fellowship with people is a good thing. It's a worthy thing to ask our Heavenly Father. So, so can I encourage you? If you're feeling lonely today, I just want to share some guiding words to ask God after you get out of here. 
I prayed this same prayer in my season of loneliness, and it goes something like this. Father, you provide everything for me. You know my thoughts and my feelings, so you already know that I've been feeling a bit lonely lately. God, I ask that you help me see people the way you see them, reveal to me the people who you want me to share my life with, and help us grow in relationship with you first so we can love each other the way you intended. In Jesus' name, amen. So the third thing mentioned in verse 42 of our passage, it says that they shared in meals, more specifically, the Lord's Supper. Uh, Around here and most other churches, we call this communion. You know, we just did it. Laura led us in that very, very beautifully. And we share in this act uh, of communion together because Jesus shared it with us first. You guys see a pattern? See, I grew up in the Catholic faith. I remember when I was, uh, when, when I had my first communion. It was a big deal. My hair was slicked back more than it is now. I wore a suit that was too big for me. And after eating my first wafer, I walked back to my seat like a penguin with my hand in my pockets. So basically, I was a used car salesman from the 90s. And, he, and here's the thing. Man, it was, it was a beautiful Thursday night service, and all the families came out to support their kids. But I remember thinking in my ripe old age of eight, why are we doing this? So for anyone wondering, we do communion together because when Jesus shared a meal with his friends, he did it with the intent of making sure that they would remember him and his sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul reminds us of Jesus' words when he passed around a piece of bread, saying, again, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he passed around that cup of wine. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people. In agreement with my blood, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. We share in the Lord's Supper together so that we can remember the why in which we gather in the first place. If Jesus had not given his body as a sacrifice for all of us here, we wouldn't have Christianity. Jesus' victory over death and sin through the resurrection three days after his body was in a tomb is a pretty dope reason to get together and share a meal. Yeah? I mean, look, how many of y'all ate food with people this past week? Did you have a good conversation? Did you talk about your lives? I know this may be triggering because some of y'all went on a Valentine's Day date. It was awkward. They just went on and on about Rihanna's halftime show at the Super Bowl. But my point is, is that most of the time a table with some food on it, it's a pretty good way to build relationships. Psychologytoday.com author Devin Fry writes this. Research shows that after just a single food sharing event, the levels of circulating oxytocin are higher and promote social bonding and higher levels of cooperation. That means being generous with others. That means being generous with others. That means being generous with others. You don't know very well can expand your community of support and solidifies cooperation. If you have a meal to share, share it. If you're like me and you can only make a bowl of cereal, then buy pizza. (laughs) Because it's not about the food. It's about the relationship you're building. Fourth point in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to prayer. A church community 
that talks to God together is a community that fights battles together, that encourages each other and stands firm together in knowing that Jesus has already won the victory and God has taken care of his people. And I'm not just talking about the people you see up here on stage or the pulpit praying over a crowd. I'm talking about the prayer warriors who are up here on the ground huddled up together speaking the name of Jesus over lifelong addictions and temptations. I'm, at, I'm talking about the people I see over there by the coffee shop uh, asking God for a miracle in spite of the diagnosis. For the next-gen leaders praying over our teenagers who are going through battles of self-doubt, loneliness, debilitating depression, and anxiety. I'm talking about a church filled with words aggressively spoken to God in community and faith that radically changes a person's life. That kind of prayer. Two verses that help us understand this. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. Pair this up with what Jesus says in Matthew 18, 19. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, according to his will, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Where two or three gathers together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, there's a whole discussion we can have about learning God's will for your life in relation to prayer, desires of the heart, different teaching, different day, right? What I want to focus on is the fact that when there are two, three, 15, 10,000 that are gathered in his name, Jesus is among that group as if he were sitting right next to you. I look at it like this. When we pray together, we become like a squad in the army. Jesus is the lead officer, and he gives us the artillery of prayer. Because when you're walking through darkness alone, you're a victim. When you walk through darkness with a team, you have a plan. And when you walk through the same darkness with Jesus, you have a guide. I know a church isn't just a church. When I see pockets of people praying, that church then becomes a battleground for spiritual warfare. The church then becomes a storytelling vehicle for testimonies and miracles. Now check this out. In verse 43 of our passage, a deep sense of awe came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Look, if you saw Jesus today in this church, in this room, heal a person's visible disability, even though you've been, you've been in church with this person for years and, and they've never been able to walk, but today you saw them walk out of this building, how would you react? Be honest, how would you feel? What would stir up inside of you? Jaw dropped to the floor cartoon style? An urge to let Jesus know how, how awesome that was? Would you physically bow down at his feet? Like, you ain't never sung a note in your life, but you decided that miracle was crazy, so I need to make sure Jesus hears my voice. Yeah, and you know what else is wild, Julian? We hear and see miracles every Sunday, and most of the time we don't notice. There are people here who just last week, God stopped their desire to watch porn. People who found an awesome new job after searching for months. People who accepted Jesus into their hearts and haven't even told anyone yet. There are people whose cancer just got into remission. Or there are people who've been cancer-free for eight years like me. I celebrated my anniversary last month. Signs and wonders of the Bible like supernatural healing still happen today. But I also want us to remind us that, that a simple prayer answered is also a miracle on its own. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Fam, 
we need to do better at contemplating the Lord's glory. Meaning sharing these beautiful stories of life transformation via the power of God. These miraculous stories can fuel not only the depth of our praise, but our reason for worship. Because our stories are the tangible victories of God that we can hold on to when we're gathered here together specifically to praise Jesus. It's ammo for the spiritual warfare. Verse 44, 45 in our block of scripture says that all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, let me alleviate any tension in the room for the homeowners. This passage isn't implying that you sell your house even though you just remodeled your kitchen. Unless, of course, you want to um, for the glory of God. That, I mean, that's cool. But, but what that is saying is that because these new believers realized how much they've been given by God, they wanted to give in return. There were a lot of poor people in Jerusalem when Peter preached that, and the 3,000 were baptized. In fact, a lot of those 3,000 were the poor. So when these people who were living on the streets became a part of the family of God, those who were financially stable felt the familial responsibility to take care of those who weren't. True godly love will do that to you. It'll give you an empathy you can't understand, and you become aware of other people's needs because that's all Jesus ever did was care about other people. When he knew he was going to die on the cross, he asked God, Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Take it away. I want to recognize that at that moment he did think about himself because he knew he was about to be in a lot of pain. But then he said, yet your will be done, not mine. Who do you think he thought of in that moment? Yeah, that's you. He thought of me, your friends, your family, your community, the people who are sitting around you right now. Jesus was aware of our needs, even though he had his own. Do you see the pattern of events happening in this passage? From start to finish, it's a revolving snowball effect of giving that results in worship. Not just in the music sense, but in the worship and praise of a God who doesn't have a giving limit. Verse 46 of Acts chapter 2. They worshiped together at the temple each day, each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. Sharing, joy, and generosity are all in the same sentence. Look, since Thursday night, because of something like the Big Chill, we've been able to share pizza together, share stories together, share prayers together, and bring joy to each other. Man, I don't know about you, but there's something about 120 plus kids rocking with Jesus that just brings me a lot of joy. That's just me. <laughs> and every single day from Thursday till now, we've been worshiping God in this temple. And I'm so stoked to know that the people's lives are actively being transformed right now just because we're praising God every day. Just because we're giving generously every day. Gatherings like the Big Chill the Lightning Squad in our local schools, our, our young adults group called Bridge, uh, the Hope Banquet for the Life Center, all, um, all, the, all the network, Hope Network services, all the Sunday services are possible because of people reacting to God's own acts of sharing and generous giving. The QR code and the website on the screen is it's just an easy way to give from your phone. So if you feel compelled to be a part of our giving community, we thank you. If you've already been a part of our giving community, we're grateful for you. Because we've been saying this for a few months now, but giving is an act of worship. 
If you're giving your time to help clean this church, that's worship. If you're praying for a brother or sister in Christ, that's worship. If you're loving your neighbor by mowing their yard, that's worship. Philippians 2, 3, 5 says, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value each others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Man, when you've spent enough time with Jesus where he stirs it up in you, he compels you, he urges you to love others more than yourself, that's worship, baby. That's worship. So the last part of our passage, verse 47, it says, all the while praising in God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Man, I feel passionately about this because I was one of those people. I was one of those people who, who was added to the fellowship of a specific community of believers. And I grew in my faith. I grew in my love for Jesus. I grew in my passion for the Lord. Faith without fellowship is, is far from what God wants. He wants us to have community and to enjoy each other's goodwill, and I want that for other people as well. Now, does everybody know what's happening right now in Asbury, Kentucky? If you don't know, there is something happening in Asbury University that some people are calling a straight-up Jesus revival or a spiritual awakening, whatever that is. It's going on right now, and it's been going for more than a week. They're saying 140-plus hours they've been praising God, praying and loving each other. People from all over the country are visiting this student-led thing, and it's giving me chills, big chills. If you don't know uh, what that is, here's a short summary from a pastor friend of mine named Matt. Thank you, Matt, for letting me use this. Um, this is what Matt posted. The text that I got from people while we were there asking me to describe what was happening, this is the best way I can put it. Imagine a couple thousand of people all trying to outdo one another in love and humility. Adoring Jesus. Adoring Jesus. And no crazy big band, just a couple students with acoustic guitars and a box drum set, just singing song after song, and not even quote unquote spontaneously. Just one song straight through, and then another. Sometimes the, the, the different teams coming up to lead worship would just play the same song, and the other team literally just got done doing it. And then people coming up to share testimonies of how they used to think Jesus was dead, but now they see he is alive. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if revival or awakening is the proper term for what's going on in Asbury, but it sounds like they're doing what the church in Jerusalem is doing every day. And honestly, I just want whatever's happening over there to not just happen over here in Cleves, but to church communities all over the world. We do such an amazing job at doing that here with our group of misfits. Yeah. And I want to encourage us to continue praising God. I want us to enjoy the goodwill of people. I want us to keep being generous. I want us to keep praying for each other. I want people who are lost in our community to find their way back home to Jesus. I want us to continue to fight battles together. I want us to continue to share communion together here on Sundays and in your homes on any other day of the week. I want us to continue worshiping even though the music has stopped and the Sunday service reached its conclusion because God's grace has never stopped. It has never ended on time. It's always kept going and God has never stopped giving because God gave first he gave it first 
Man, we ought to give him some gratitude. We ought to give him more praise than our body allows. Let's give him praise right now. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. With everyone standing, our hands lifted high, our heads hanging low, pray with me. Lord, we thank you for giving first. We're sorry for not realizing how much you've given, but we turn to you right now with our hearts open wide, our minds fixated on you, remembering how you pulled us out from darkness. We hear your words. We love your son, King Jesus. Our mouths are ready to pray and praise. Our spirits are ready to worship. And whatever comes out from this body you've given us is a reaction to how you gave and gave and gave and gave and you still give. Glory to God. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for a fresh revival or for our passion for you we thank you every ounce of gratitude in us is because of your unlimited unbroken unshakable love for us we pray this in the saving name of jesus